This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. So let me set the scene here. So we're talking about why technology should impact your investment decisions in trading systems. Now, when we discuss trading systems, we're specifically talking about ETRMs or energy trading and risk management systems. To discuss this, we're joined by Kent Landrum and Stephen Bell. They're both managing directors in Opportune's process and technology practice. We're also joined by Niall McCarthy, Head of Global Sales for CTRM Cloud. Gentlemen, welcome and thank you for the discussion. Niall, let me start with you by asking you to share some of your background. So before joining CTRM Cloud as the Head of Global Sales, you led teams supporting a top-tier community data management solution. So when talking about ETRM technology challenges, can you share a little bit about the software solution landscape? and how that's really evolved from legacy systems to these new postmodern solutions that we're talking about. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to provide a perspective from the, from the vendor today. And as a newly built system, as, as a startup in the ecosystem, you know, using cloud is, is the obvious choice. Um, a new system can be built so much more quickly with much less resources, we can build a system and bring it to market infinitely quicker than in the past. Those advantages then get translated very quickly to the consumer in, in terms of faster deployment, in terms of remote implementation, in terms of continuous product enhancements. So the ability to build and scale a platform in the cloud really sort of changes the paradigm and provides uh, consumers a whole slew of new choices. Absolutely. I mean, it has, it's really kind of changed the game here. So Stephen, uh, when exploring postmodern technology, I mean, can you share some of the characteristics of ETRM solutions? Uh, I mean, just in terms of, you know, a technology roadmap? Yeah, Shelby, that's a great question. I mean, I think the, the thing you have to start with is in this space, and when we're trying to support uh, the trading activities, you usually need fairly complex systems with very deep functionality. And in the past, a lot of these systems have grown up from you know, specific trading houses or companies that have taken a custom developed solution on older technologies and built them out. And those became the products that we use to deploy for most of the situations today. That was a great approach for the first you know, 10, 15, 20 years of the, of the industry. But now um, as technology is changing, that platform is not really as extensible or doesn't provide as much opportunity as what modern technology would provide us. And so the real challenge there is that on some of these older software architectures, which these kind of grew up or evolved from, you really don't have the opportunity to take advantage of some of the, what we'll call postmodern concepts of really trying to componentize your solutions, to use cloud technologies, to really accelerate your ability to deliver business, deliver value to the business as quickly as possible. 
And so with those changes in the market, we think there's, a, there's an inflection point now where we can really start to look at newer solutions to solve what honestly in the industry has been a complicated problem, which is how to deliver complex business requirements and complex business software to trading houses. And so we think there's some real opportunities out there. And so let's let's clarify. So when we're talking about this, um, you know, the postmodern technology, I mean, we're talking, of course, about, um, you know, software as a service, the fact that it needs to be uh, a more agile, both literally the the platform and, you know, being able to adapt quickly. Uh, what are some of those other characteristics that that postmodern solutions have? Well, I think. I think largely it comes down to the fact that by being structured in a way into smaller, more standardized components, you can start to attack problems in more flexible manner. So, you know, historically we've seen the problem of putting systems, stitching systems together as the challenge. And mm -hmm. so we've tended to go towards more integrated solutions. Now, the problem is those integrated solutions become very monolithic. And when they become very monolithic, they're not flexible to really adapt to the individual aspects that make each business successful. And so those tools become very difficult on the implementation side, on the design side, on the business deployment side to really get a, an effective value very quickly to the business. In a postmodern approach, we can take that problem apart. Um, we can do it in pieces and we have more flexible pieces that can really adapt to the unique conditions for each of the clients that we deal with. So it's a, it's a, you know, a modular approach being able to, to take those individual pieces instead of, you know, it before where it was a, a little bit more of a hodgepodge, it's more, I don't want to say plug and play, but, you know, there are individual pieces that are designed modularly to be able to, to provide you that functionality that you're looking for, right? That's true. And in and, and, and the theoretical sense, we're not there yet, but we will get to it being more plug and play and, you know, concepts like we see in retail technology, like the app store or like the things on your phone, you don't have to wait for a new phone to get new features. You can go and pick the features that you want to apply. That's where you want to get to with your business software. And this is an area where we are starting to evolve in that directions with tools like CTRM Cloud, where the tools have been architected with that end goal in mind, as opposed to, you know, some, some of our historical solutions, which were just built out to solve an entire problem. That's a good way of, you know, a good analogy with the, with the app store and, and giving updates uh, versus instead of just getting a brand new phone. Kent, let me, uh, let me bring you in to discuss uh, what, what some of these postmodern, you know, characteristics of the ETRM solutions that we've been talking about. I mean, what does that mean in terms of functional benefits and, and how, you know, what do these solutions, what do they afford the, the end users? Sure. Really that end user experience at the end of the day is what it's all about. Does the tool enable that individual, that trader or that risk manager to perform the, the business processes or the analytical processes that they need to 
add incremental value or protect value through their risk management activities in a more efficient way or not. And so all the architectural changes are great as long as they're providing the opportunity to do those sorts of things. So that ability to extend or augment a uh, more modular type of a solution can add a lot of value in that it's easier for customers to bolt on helper applications, that app store type of concept, particularly in areas where it may be to uh, help differentiate that particular organization's core business, where they're doing something that is unique and they want to add on to the tool. If you're dealing with a legacy TRM solution, that could be really expensive. With one of these more modular cloud-based API-based tools, it's much easier for those companies, IT organizations or consultancies to quickly develop bolt-on tools that help create value. It also opens the door to taking advantage of technologies like RPA, where there may be a lot of repetitive tasks that need to be performed inside the trading and risk management solution. But the legacy tools, since they're monolithic, it's difficult to coordinate and drive those activities using modern RPA. Uh, software. So this creates the opportunity to take those repetitive, non-value-added tasks and move them off the plate of your core business users so they can focus on higher value activities. And then lastly, the time to value is really important. Many of these ETRM projects can be very time consuming and very expensive to do on many of the legacy solutions because the tools, when you integrate them, particularly in an environment where you have a lot of different technologies in use on the ERP side, master data management, reporting and analytics, the business processes are expected within the software vendors tools to run their complete life cycle from trade, through scheduling, through actualization and into accounting as one straight through process. But in an integrated scenario, you have to break that process up with part of it happening in the trading tool and part of it happening in say an ERP platform. But those tools, the legacy ones, don't like to be broken up. So it means that you have to develop custom code or things like that to kind of fake it in inside the old trading tool so that it can still work. With a postmodern approach, you're able to use the pieces of functionality that, need, that you need that are the most valuable to the business without having to do that level of customization. Lastly, on the implementation side, they're really well suited to agile implementation methodologies. Stephen alluded to this. I, I think they are also in today's day and age, that idea of remote implementation has been a huge one. Uh, Opportune has been working with a number of clients to implement ETRM systems and having this ability to do it in an agile way and to do it remotely with remote deployments where you don't have to lay hands on the server or hands on desktops to do it is really impactful. So, Kent, and, and uh, let me make sure I understand. So when you mention RPA, I mean, we're talking about process automation, right? That's exactly right. Okay. And, uh, you know, when you, you mentioned the point about, uh, you know, uh, being able to take these individual things and, and with legacy systems, you kind of have to string it together and kind of fake it. Uh, what what liabilities or, or you know, I guess, yeah, what are the liabilities that you open yourself up to when you're having to kind of hack a legacy system? It's a great question. And really what it comes down to is that those enhancements, those changes and customizations that you build, then are your organization's responsibility going forward. Every time that software vendor patches or upgrades the application, you've got to retest those and make changes to ensure that they still function the way you expect them to with the new version of the software. And so you start to build this pile of technical debt that you have to carry forward as an organization in order to continue to support your business. Technical debt, that's a, a great way of of thinking of it. 
Stephen, let me follow up with you. What else would you add in terms of making those technological decisions for your trading systems? You know, one thing that we tend to underestimate is a lot of times people are thinking about the software solution choice Mm -hmm. as a one-time lifetime choice. And then when they want to change their business or they want to change, shall we say, the maturity of their business in certain areas, one of the areas that, that Kent and I have done a lot of work on is taking companies that were probably a bit more focused on being physical operators into being full fledged traders. A postmodern approach allows them to apply those those capabilities and evolve as their business evolves, as opposed to, you know, historically, you would have had to go out and find another solution. And, you know, the challenge of that is, you know, really the hardest thing with software solutions is really changing the mindset of the users and getting it deployed. That's where a lot of the cost comes from. And so if you can avoid that by taking the existing platform they have, but adding capabilities to it without ripping it out and starting over again, um, it is a significant value to businesses as they change over time. I mean, some become more sophisticated, some become less sophisticated. And, you know, in in a world that we're in right now where, you know, business conditions are highly volatile, I think we'll see a lot of scaling up and scaling down. Um, and having that capability is highly valuable to organizations. And maybe I would just sort of echo that, that sort of from, from the demand side that, you know, in this sort of uh, new COVID world we now exist in and, you know, sort of obviously kind of newer, more modern systems that are easily deployed and offer performance. I mean, they're, they're certainly sort of a stronger demand t- today. And I think w- what's happened is that, you know, over the last six or eight months, many people have kind of sort of seen um, how their legacy systems are maybe no longer fit for purpose, um, maybe around performance or around access. And so uh, what we're seeing is, you know, pretty strong demand in terms of that sort of modular approach that Kent is sort of outlining there, whereby, you know, they're, they're really looking for quick and easy solutions to sort of to, to fit in on top of those legacy systems. So I think that the, the, the environment that we're in has sort of what well, we're seeing, at least uh, on the demand side, is sort of st- certainly amplifying a lot of the trends that we've talked about here today. Well, that's a great point and something that, uh, you know, we hadn't thought about before is in when have you touched on this about, you know, remote deployment, but, you know, now that a lot of us are working from home, uh, you know, what does that mean for, for those old legacy systems that were kind of band-aided together and uh, fragile as it was, and now we're in this, this new work environment? You know, I, I'd ask uh, any of you guys, you know, what does that mean for this, for, uh, for our market right now? Well, so I, I guess I'll just kind of follow up on that. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think it's been a very sort of interesting year in, in in that I do believe that, you know, obviously there was plenty of issues with these legacy systems to begin with. I think the last few months, as I say, has really uh, put a microscope on many of the challenges across the system. I think that in, in a perfect world, many people would sort of try and just kind of magically make those old systems disappear and put better newer, more efficient systems in, but 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 all of the challenges we're talking about here, everybody being remote, I mean, that's a big lift, it's a big ask in a, in a perfect environment. So I think that, uh, you know, this kind of postmodern architecture is sort of, will be here to stay. I think that 
our customers will be, you know, are, are sort of forced to, you know, to, to rely on these legacy systems for some time to come as, as trying to change them in this environment would be very, very difficult. But certainly I think there's there, what we're seeing for sure on our end from a vendor side, from a vendor perspective is, is sustained demand in terms of sort of trying to layer in technology on top of those legacy systems, trying to uh, sort of amplify performance, trying to, to kind of layer in analytics to, to solve kind of many of the gaps and challenges that have you know quickly surfaced over the last six months. And I would just say the biggest thing is flexibility is critical when there's uncertainty. And this approach provides the most flexibility because, I mean, I will say from my own personal experiences, my impression of what the pandemic would be is a lot different today than it was in March. And it probably will be a lot different over the next three months, even if we get to more certainty and more, you know, sense of what to expect. But the reality of the situation is, is that along the way, it's been very difficult to know even what the next three months looks like in front of you. And so the more you can introduce flexibility, the more you can react to uncertainty. And so I think that's one of the, the biggest advantages of taking this approach, particularly in today's environment. And as we go forward for probably the next at least six months to 18 months of time. Yeah, and I would add on that the user experience and the ability to support that user is key in this discussion as well. Legacy applications typically have complicated ways of deploying them or remotely managing them. And as our workforce has been sort of dispersed and distributed and hasn't come back to their normal office situation, it's much more difficult to support those users when they're using a hodgepodge of applications, some of which are older, and those tools are more complicated to manage onto their you know, company-issued laptop. Maybe they don't have a, a setup from work at home, and so they're using their own devices, and it can be difficult to juggle and manage, whereas many of these newer applications are built to be used in the cloud type of an environment through a browser type interface. And so that allows you to offer a consistent experience across the devices that your people are using wherever they may be. It makes it easier for your support teams when those users call in and they have a question or they're having trouble with how it's working. And it opens the door to a lot more mobile type access as well. Many of the older monolithic tools aren't built to be mobile first or to be mobile as well. And so that, that's another case where having these postmodern Ethereum tools and having them integrated in this fashion offers up a little bit better and more consistent user experience. And I think that's particularly valuable right now. Stephen, let me ask you, what are the implications then for adding on AI or you know, natural language analytics? I mean, how do those fit into the architecture? I guess the, the main thing there is by modernizing your, your stack, um, a technology type term that we use, you're really, you know, setting up your infrastructure to really unlock other capabilities that an organization can use as technologies advance. And so, you know, the, the, we believe the organizations of the future will be most successful, the ones that can continue to add capabilities very quickly and taking this approach will allow you to get access and unlock some of those capabilities more quickly and, and you know more seamlessly you know some of those key technologies that excite people are things that are like artificial intelligence or predictive analytics or even just getting access to more advanced analytics where we can start to really record and digitize more of the information that is captured in the process 
to look at opportunities where there are ways to extract more value from either our counterparties or from the process itself. And so, you know, this is this is jumping onto that highway in a sense, because, you know, if you are stuck on the side roads and they, you know, have static um, construction, this gets you over to where you can jump onto a place where you may start in the slow lane, but you can work your way up into the fast lane for some of these more advanced technologies. Well, fantastic insight. I think that's that's a great point and a, a very relevant point uh, where, where we are right now. There's a lot of uncertainty, but uh, being able to lock down your technology in terms of you know the capabilities, what you need, and uh, the, the flexibility that it offers, that certainly should be taken into account when you're making those technology decisions. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for the insight, and uh, we really do appreciate all of the all of the conversation. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Shelley. And that does it for this episode of E to B Energy to Business. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhawk. <laughs>